just a few moments, we're going to be going to the book of Ephesians. But before we go to the book of Ephesians, I want to talk a little bit about God's intention in creation. He created us to reflect his person. Now, being image bearers uh, that God has created us as humans it is more than just, just reflecting um, uh, his person and his character. But that's actually where I want to focus today. Uh, is on the aspect of that we are called to reflect back to God, his image and his person and his character. And that's going to be borne out in what we're looking at in the book of Ephesians today. I really did have this wonderful idea uh, earlier this week that when I came here that I was going to get up here and stand up here and talk to you about that God has called us to to mirror and to image him, basically to live a life in such a way that we reflect back to him. That's why God intentionally created Adam and Eve and all of us uh, in creation in terms of uh, our humanity was to reflect the truth about God. And, um, and then I got to thinking about, well, then there's the fall. And that image was broken. And I got this great idea that I would actually just get up here. I'd get a little hammer, and I would hit this thing and say, you know, this represents the broken image that we have become. But, folks, I want to tell you, I started thinking about everything that could go wrong with that. <laughs> First of all, uh, I, I could see the potential of that splattering back in my eyes or something like that or cutting myself and and then I thought about sometimes Clint probably during the week walks around here barefooted uh, and I thought that wouldn't be good and I thought you know what I'll just leave this to the professional youth person in here I'll leave this to Will to be able to do that kind of thing in the future so 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 but God has created us to be image bearers and, 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 but that image was broken. We know the story. Those of us who, who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we know the story. The image was broken. And, and at that point, we began not to tell the truth about God in, in attitude, in the way we lived. We began to tell a lie about God. And I just want to simply ask you this morning, I mean, just, just even come to church this morning about your attitude. Did, did your attitude reflect the truth about God? Your actions, what you said, what you did, did it reflect the truth? How about this past week? I think if we're really genuinely honestly, I, honest, we'd have to admit that we fell way short in imaging the truth about God. That's important for us. We need to realize that reality. That's a call upon our lives. Even though we have been broken by sin, Jesus Christ came into this world to restore that image. He basically restored that image in three specific ways we're going to hit on this morning. First of all, he came into this world to justify us. So that when we stand before God, we stand before God, he stands with us, before us, as one who came as our substitute to live the perfect life, to never lie in, in thought, in action, in deed, in any way. He did that on our behalf so that one day, as we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as our great substitute, he would stand before God and say, say, I lived that life for him. I fulfilled the law. I lived a perfect life for John and whoever else would believe upon him. 
But also, Jesus died in our place. He went as a substitute. He went to the cross to suffer. What we sang about earlier, what the Bible talks about, the very wrath of God, the very wrath and anger of God. He stood in our place as a substitute, as our image bearer for us as a sinner. Not that he sinned, but he suffered as a sinner for us. He did that for us. So that's justification. But then there's that aspect of sanctification. And that's what I want to talk about. And then we'll talk a little bit about glorification. In the book of Ephesians, you'll turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. And this is the meat of where the message is going to be this morning. So I want to ask that you would open up your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God has made us, those of us who've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he's made us into new creations. We're not who we used to be. Will talked about our old identity this morning. And then we have a new identity in Christ. We are new creations. We have been born again. We are not who we used to be. And we need to identify with our new identity and the way we are to walk and to live. And so this passage right here covers that very well. And we're going to be going all the way through uh, chapter 5 and verse 2 as we read this. I'm not going to do an exposition on this. I'm just going to pick a few uh, passages in this to give, give some major highlight to this topic of sanctification so that we might be sanctified in his image. Beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. Or that's lying desires. It goes back to this issue of truth, living truthfully. uh, We live deceitfully, not uh, declaring the truth about God. In verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, listen to this, the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, living a life of lie, that's, that's the old way. We're putting that behind us. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
be angry and do not sin. Now get this, this there's going to be a list of do's, a list of do's and responsibility. But these do's that we're called to do in obedience to Christ are anchored in the reality of the gospel. It's tied to that. We can't live the life of do's and, and just not live in the shadow of the reality of what Christ has done for us at the cross. It'll turn into legalism. It'll turn into judgmentalism. It'll turn into thinking that we're better than other people. And we won't do things with the correct motives and attitudes. And again, verse 26 and be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, now here's where it ties the gospel. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of Christ. We're to reflect him. We're to follow him. We're to imitate him. Reflecting the truth about God as beloved children. You know how children just imitate their parents. You look at a child and say, man, he, just, he, do, he does that just like his daddy. She, she does that just like, like her mama. You know, we, we see that in the kids, the children. Verse 2, and walk in love. Here, all these do's tied in with the gospel. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you've got these do's here that we're responsible for doing, but, but we, we, we are called to do these things in obedience, but they're tied in with the gospel. Now, now, tying this into the reality of God sanctifying us, living out the Christian life, we're still fallen, we're still, we're still de dealing with the reality of putting off the old man, we're still sinning in this life. But we're, we're pursuing and we're pushing toward honoring Christ, growing in Christ. And we see several things in this particular passage right here. Verse 17, first of all, that we're not to walk as the Gentiles. Now what he's talking about, that their identity was as Gentiles. This, this Christian message had been brought to them and, and they're putting away their identity. It's just like... We could simply say it to some degree like this. Maybe, maybe we're from America. We're proud Americans. But, folks, there's a higher allegiance that we're called to than just being an American. We're called to follow Jesus. That's a greater allegiance. Jesus said that, we're to call, that our allegiance to him is greater even than our own families. We have to follow him. That's our new identity. And so he's calling, he's basically saying here in verse 17, Now this I say to you and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That, that walk, we need to think about, that's the day-to-day -day living for Jesus. We're walking, we're following Jesus as we go. 
And then, then in verse 22, I want you to look down there in verse 22. To put off the old self. To put off the old self. In our daily walk with Christ, we've got to make a choice. And I know some of us think, well, I chose to follow Jesus 30 years ago. I chose him right then, and I don't need to choose on a daily basis. Folks, read God's word. I'm not talking about choosing to be saved again over and over and over again. I'm talking about making that daily choice that we're called to. Because the scripture is very plain. We can make the choice to walk like we formerly walked, according to the old man, the old person, our old identity. We have a choice now. To put on the new self. It's just like the choice to put on and to take off. Well, first of all, take off the old, the clothes. Get rid of the dirty stuff. And put on the new. Put on the new man we're, we're, we're called to. And then verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That, that is so key right there. The, the key is, is the mind and our thoughts. And taking our mind and, and, and bathing it in the word of God. Exposing it to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to mirror our life, to be able to look at the Word of God and allow it to mirror back to us the truth. The truth, yes, we sin, but the truth, the reality that we have a Savior who went and died for us. We need to be reminded of that. So often we limit confession as the confession of the sin. But the true proper way to confess sin is, yes, I confess specific sins, but also, Lord Jesus, I confess what you've done with my sin. Folks, we've got to have both. That is true confession. Confessing what we've done in rebellion against God, confessing what Christ has done with our sin. We need that so much in our lives. So we must renew our minds. We must saturate our minds with the reality of what God's word has to say. And then in verse 24, we're to put on the new self created in the likeness of God. Created in the likeness of God. It's a daily choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to live according to falsehood? Verse 25, therefore having put away falsehood, is, are, are you just going to choose to live that way? Are you going to choose to live in the light of truth? And just really grading your life according to God's word. Am I living? Am I reflecting truth? Is my attitude, are my actions reflecting the truth of God? God is looking down. And he sees. He sees our hearts. He sees our actions and what we do. So we must choose to do that. And that needs to be spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're so desperately in need of that. And living a life of doing and following Jesus must be anchored day in and day out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must remember that reality. So the process of sanctification. Lord, help me to daily choose to live for you moment by moment. Walking. In fact, let me just illustrate real quick, quick like the life that God has called us to live. We're to live out the life. And so we're on a walk. We're walking with Christ. We're following him. So every moment of every day, we're having to make a choice. Am I going to go back to my old ways? Am I going to live according to the old identity? Or am I going to walk with him? And so really the Christian life, repentance is not just something you've done a few times in the past. It's not about the big things in life, though it does mean the big things. 
It's about daily, moment by moment, making those choices. Am I going to walk in truth? Am I going to reflect the truth of Jesus Christ? Something happens in your life. Somebody responds to you. Are you going to reflect Jesus? Are they going to see Jesus in your life? The greatest illustration that I know of in terms of a human in the New Testament well, the Apostle Paul, I think, would probably be just equally. So we could take a long study on the life of him, emulating that reality. People doing stuff to him, and then he, he responding in love. But Stephen, the first Christian martyr, he was, he was this found in Acts chapter 7, but he was, he was preaching the truth of God. He was basically taking the Old Testament and saying Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies of, of who the Christ, the Messiah, would be. And the religious leaders panicked. They, they didn't want to hear this message. That This message had been turning people's lives upside down and, and, and people were beginning to follow Jesus Christ and they were doing everything they could do to try to work against the Christian movement. And they were filled with such rage, they picked up stones, they went to stone him. And the scripture says, while they were stoning Stephen, Stephen prayed. Get this picture. He prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knew this was the end. Then he fell on his knees. It was the last thing he did. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul, who had become the Apostle Paul, the Scripture says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. You see the seed that was planted because Stephen chose to saturate his mind in the Word of God and out of the overflow of that, he not only proclaimed with his tongue, but he lived it out in such a way that, 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 that people saw the reflection of Jesus Christ. I believe that seed was planted there in the Apostle Paul. And that was a big faith factor for Paul coming to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because he saw someone live out the reality to reflect the gospel message, the gospel message that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. And he prayed in mercy, knowing that he didn't deserve salvation. They didn't either. He prayed in mercy that God would grant them, grant them not to be judged for this occasion, that they might be saved. We see the sanctification lived out in his life, the life that we are called to live, telling the truth, telling the truth about Jesus, turning from falsehoods, turning from lies. Then there's also not just the reflecting Jesus in justification, reflecting Jesus in sanctification, but we're called to reflect Jesus in glorification. We'll read to you a passage from 1 John. I've asked that it be put up on the display for us. 
1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and I would highly encourage you to mark this in your Bible. Beloved, we are God's children now. I just got to stop right there. Lots of times we get in our mind, you know, when we finally get to heaven, we're going to be God's children. No, we are his children now. That is our identity. That's who God has made us to be now. But we still stumble. We still disobey the Father. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Hey, we're not going to be who, who we're going to be. We, we hadn't arrived. But we got a great future, folks. We've got a great future. You know, there, there are times that we get so discouraged. We don't, get, we don't want to get up in the morning and live for Jesus. We get tired. We want to give up. Maybe it's a persistent failure in our life. Maybe it's just those moments. I look back in my life and I could say that I could, see, I could get up here and I could sing walking with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I could get up here. I could sing that. Because over the grand picture... That, that's true. But folks, there are moments that are not pretty. There are moments, and sometimes those moments are more than just moments. And in failure, you get knocked down. And you get knocked down so many times, you don't want to get back up. I think, what's the use? What's the use? The gospel is not just, the, it's a glorious part of it. It's an amazing part that we are justified by Jesus and that he is sanctifying us. The gospel is, he's not finished yet. When he went to the cross, he said, yes, it's finished. That was our justification. But folks, there's a glorious day coming. Read with me. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You know, one of the ways that we can be sanctified in this present life is to be able to look ahead, look to the future, and remember we're not who we're going to be. We're children of God. He's not through. And one day, one day, we will stand in his presence and we'll look, like, look at him. And every aspect of our life will tell the truth about him. Can you imagine no more sin? No more sinning.
No more bad attitudes at being godly. What a glorious day. What a wonderful day to look forward to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be called by you, to reflect you, your person, who you are, and to day by day to live a life of repentance, moment by moment that we're called to, Lord God. I pray for myself, I pray for all of us, that, Lord God, that we would put off the old self and we put on the new self in the image of Jesus Christ, that we would renew our spiritual minds in the paths of God's words, that we'd put away old paths and we would walk in the paths of the word of God. And that day by day, moment by moment, we would live in the shadow of the reality of the cross of Jesus, that we would glory in your justifying work and your substitution on our behalf. And that, Lord God, that we would also, Lord God, look forward to the future, knowing that he who began a good work in us will indeed bring it to completion. Lord, I pray for the lost that are in this place today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, they have great glories in their life they're pursuing. Great, great things that they image, great things that they reflect. Their life reflects what they genuinely love and what's at the center post. It might be just their own life. It might be specific things. But Lord, I pray that today that you would grant them a distaste of these glories and that, Lord, you would open their eyes to the greater glory of knowing you as Lord and Savior. I pray they would trust you. They would turn for these temporary glories and they would pursue the greater glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.